Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Post Football. European match days in. The excitement never stops for us all here at the Ukraine Plus Football Podcast. The season is flying by at a frenetic pace ahead of the Winter World Cup, but it is now time to take stock ahead of the final international break before the global gathering in Qatar this winter. Hi everyone, I'm Adam and welcome to another fun hour of Ukrainian Footy Chat. Andrew has just got back from his Polish escapades, not the results we were looking for, were they, Andrew? Well, I'd say that Shakhtar, based on the performance, bar maybe a bit of a, a five ten minute spell, probably were slightly lucky to get a, to get that draw that they did in uh, in Warsaw. However, I was you know pleasantly surprised once again by Mudrik. Uh, Sudakov played really well until he came off injured, but I don't think that's too serious. And something about Trubin um, and he, with it playing with his feet that he, he looks quite composed, despite <laughs> there being a few fair moments where it was like, oh, my God, this looks very shaky. And then on top of that, uh, a good crowd came out for the first game. Uh, I think it was in it was expected to be like a bit of a sellout, I think 25, 26,000. But I think in the end it was like 20, 20,000 in total. But I think in terms of tickets sold, etc., there's like this special package for people to buy where you can buy all three group stage home matches for the price of like cheaper than one of the games. So I think a lot of people have bought that and are just anticipating the big one against Real Madrid in a few weeks' time, and they'll probably turn up to that one. But regardless, I mean, Shakhtar four points out of their first two games. Can they really complain from that? When we looked at it before the sort of campaign started, no. So fair play, good stuff. And then it's going to be the hardest game of them all um, in three weeks' time against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. On top of that, travel down to Krakow. Kind of wish I didn't because that was absolutely terrible. Football to watch, um, relatively cold and wet. No fans in the stadium, absolutely next to none. I think out of 15,000, it was about 2K, 3K maybe max. Um, I was reading some reports from a Polish uh, journalist today saying that apparently just before kickoff, they were giving out tickets for free. And um, apparently the reason that there was quite a low uptake in, in sales anyway was obviously one. The opposition, nothing that special. Dinamo's not playing that well at the moment. And on top of that, despite the fact that there's a massive Ukrainian, uh, you know, diaspora community, loads of refugees and loads of economic migrants in the city and surroundings, the tickets, I think the cheapest tickets were 400 um, hryvnia or the equivalent of like 10, 12 euros or something like that. So that's... For a, and that was the cheapest. So if you went anywhere else, like in the central stands and all that kind of stuff, 
it was pretty astronomical for the kind of match that you were you were watching. Anyway, the match itself decided by a free kick and Dinamo playing as they have done throughout the whole of this 22-23 season so far. Loads of possession, but doing next to nothing in front of goal uh, when it comes to creating chances. Crosses, just hitting defenders or going into no one. Uh, Harmash starting, then Besedin coming on at halftime and both having next to zero impact. Oh, just uh, got not much to add, to be honest, about that. It was more interesting at the end of the game when Mitchell Luchescu, I asked him, a follow-up question to my uh, one I asked him after Dnipro won. I said, uh, you you mentioned that you were considering leaving the last time we spoke. What about now? And he said, yeah, I did actually consider leaving. I was thinking about it. But I realised that at the moment this team needs me. Uh, this team is struggling very much mentally. Um, we It's really hard for us to cope travelling somewhere every three days and all this other kind of stuff. But he was surprisingly positive about it all. So we'll see if he's still there after the winter break. But I personally don't understand why he's doing it to himself. Age 76, it just doesn't seem worth it, in my opinion. But hey-ho, he must be getting paid pretty nicely. Just to follow up, Andrew, I saw as well you went to the youth league game between Shakhtar and Celtic. Any names to look out for? Anybody catch your eye in that game? Because if I'm right, Shakhtar won. Yeah, they did. Um, they look quite good. I think Sahayev is probably the standout player. Their number 10 seems to be a bit of a free roam uh, central midfield type player. Got a good range of passing, bit of vision. And he scored in the first game against Leipzig and came close a few times in this one. On the whole, I think the one that the, the two fullbacks for me were the ones that looked quite good. I can't remember the names off the top of my head because they didn't have them on the back of the shirts, but they looked um, pretty good going forward. I think that that side has got a lot of promise going forward, you know, especially if Shakhtar probably looking to sell the likes of Mudrik, etc. over the couple over the next few windows or so. I think they've got some good talent coming through. Um, so they shouldn't be too much, too worried too much, but obviously. Maybe not someone that I've seen that is at the level of Mudrik, but I mean, you don't get that every day anyway. You know what I mean? Also, whilst I was there, <clears throat> I got a little guided tour of the training base where Shakhtar are playing. And I think uh, Ukraine will be based there for this international window because obviously they're going to be staying in Warsaw for, I think, weekend just before the international break starts and then just before they leave for Scotland. So. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how, how they cope in there. But there's loads of Shakhtar branding. They've got a little section of the of the training base just for them. You know, loads of like little uh, massage rooms, uh, personalised kind of locker room, uh, managerial meeting rooms and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, they're as good as home as they can be for the next three months. It's just, let's see how the toll of travelling to Ukraine um every week and back is going to affect them you know especially in the matches against Real Madrid which will be coming up very soon which I'm sure they have to be at the top of their game because come the end of that Celtic game or for most of the second half Dinam uh, Shakhtar looked like on their last legs kind of thing they looked really sort of fatigued they couldn't run any further that kind of thing so 
I think there needs to be a solution into how um, Shakhtar can try and sort that. But there was a five, ten minute spell in the first half where Shakhtar just switched it on and they looked like sensational, unbelievable. When they scored the goal and then Shred scored, but it was offside, it was like, wow, where's this come from? And then it sort of slowly subsided. Mudrik wasn't involved much in the second half at all. Uh, Shred came off relatively early and then it was sort of a bit a bit of a stale game from Shakhtar going forward. But hey-ho, and now we've got the, win- uh, the international break coming up. So that's all good. Uh, some of the players will be getting game time, obviously, for the national team. And then the others hopefully will get a, a decent rest and carry on recuperating. Definitely so. Right. First of all, good evening. Hope you're well. Uh, last month, you were you know, quite strong in talking about Dinamo and expecting zero goals. And we had some fun every time they scraped through the qualification rounds. Are they now starting to live up to the expectations you had of them going into this season? Hello, Adam. Hello, guys. Uh, it's good to discuss the successes of our clubs in Europe. Although we cannot say that about Dynamo, of course. Well, I predicted that, and they do start to live up to the to those expectations. It's just that uh, I'm not the only one who felt that way, I hope. And it's definitely a toxic relationship between the coach and the um, admi- club administration now, as they are stuck uh, with themselves and they can't try to risk and they it's just not the club's tradition to use youth right they we've seen Tarenko and we've seen Van Vanat and uh, Jacek and uh, the guys from the youth team which Kostuk uh, beat Bayern Munich with 4-0 last season or was it this season just last year I mean it's all messed up because of the reasons we all know just that we only saw them once and a lot of people criticize them because they're not fit enough but i actually saw a difference you know they are about to provide a difference it's just that nor the administration uh, which would sack the manager who is he said all he could he's done all he could he is done for they won't do that uh, neither the coach would provide any time for youth uh, he wouldn't trust them because uh, it's not the way it's it's, it's done uh, the team plays uh, passes in behind uh, their own defense <laughs> so they're not risking they're not uh, building up any um, danger any um, adventure in their in their attacking play so there's nothing to talk about it's devastating and uh, well, um, nothing would change, you know, it's it's obvious because when you have judges, when you have courts in your pocket, it's <laughs> it's all on for the taking and it's um, up and coming now. I mean, do you, do you see any way for them to turn this season around? I mean, Bouchan's out till November, Shakarenko's done for the year. Is there any for Dynamo, for Dynamo fans listening to this? this season or should it just be written off and marked off as a year to forget and then look to come back next year? Is there any glimmer of hope right for you? It's not only the relationship between the uh, president and coach which are toxic. It's also the uh, dressing which looks grim because uh, we spoke about the squad being played uh, the same way throughout the last five years since Hatskevich. 
And Shaparenko was in the squad with Rusin, and now we know where Rusin is. He scores against Dinamo, and the next uh, thing you know, they lose 1-3 to Ruch in Zoria, but that's another point. Shaparenko is, uh, is an underrated player, of course, but he's comfortable in that role. That's the point. Like, he can score for national team, he can uh, boost off his confidence and his, um, you know, aggression in the latest matches we've seen him doing so, just like Dubinchak, to say the least. Uh, but the thing is, they are the youth. Uh, like we, we we've uh, used to call uh, the Buyalski, who is almost thirty, uh, Tihankov and Shaparenko, the young players of Dynamo. But they're not anymore. It's not like you know you're waiting for the second Zidane, like it used to be in the past. It's not the thing. Uh, they are they're mature, and they well, he's gone now for six months, and that's a shame. But uh, again. They are, like Shapilev and Dievsky, they are out there. They are playing in that uh, environment, in the dressing room. They they are uh, they have become uh, the good fellas. Like, you know, the guys, they, they are one of them. And that's it. And that's hard for the youth, I think, for the U19 to find their place in the dressing room because there is, like, these guys, you know, like, Gar- even Garmash is playing. <laughs> What's he doing on the forward position anyway? So that's the thing. Like, dressing room, the club... I mean, it's a shame, but now, as we like to dis- distinguish those two things, the team and the club in Ukrainian football, in Dynamo, they have split together and, well, we might even talk about the blocking days back in 2013, you know. That's when it's gone to the point where it really was no return. And who did they use? They used their uh, his assistant, Rebrov. Who is in that role now? Well, I mentioned Kostyuk, right? That could be someone else. But again, a Dynamo heart, a fancy outfit, maybe some fresh air. I don't know. Andrew, agree with him there? You mean Olekhusev there, Ray? Not the fanciest outfit, I would say. But no, that's not the one, definitely. Well, um, I would say if Lucheski was to go, it probably would be Husev who would stay. Um, I think I was reading somewhere. I think Burbas was saying... Uh, this week, uh, apparently they they had a fight. Uh, Husev and Luchescu. Uh, Luchescu didn't want him in the team or something, but Surkis sort of kept him amongst everything, and they made up. So that obviously says something about the future dynamics going on there. In general, there's a few different people that have been telling me that it's not all good in the dressing room. Everyone's a bit sort of, I don't know, uncomfortable mentally. Doesn't seem very stable. A lot of them. Uh, don't know why. Uh, we'll see how it progresses, but it doesn't seem to be very good. Today, Tato to Care have claimed that they've heard some bits about uh, the wages of Dynamo Kiev. And on the whole, if people that don't know about Dynamo Kiev, a lot of them, they get paid some, they get their wages on paper, for example, publicly declared are a lot lower than what they actually earn in real life through, you know, various schemes and all that kind of stuff, allegedly um, for legal purposes. Um, however, Tato to care claiming that Sahankov um, earns close to 2 million euros in a year. Serhi Sidrachuk, one to one and a half million euros a year. And then you've got Bushjan, Harmash, Shaparenko and Buyalski around eight to 900,000 a year. Um, and I mean, 
Ray touched on some of the players there. I mean, the only good player in the team who does anything, creates anything. You know, if you take, for example, the game that happened uh, against Larnaca, was Bujalski, and he's been the and it's been like that for it's been like that for ages, really, at least for the past season and a half, two seasons. Before that, you had Sankov playing well and all that kind of stuff, but he just looked absolutely terrible yesterday. Whether it's he just doesn't care anymore because he wants he knows that he's leaving at the end of the year. Whether he's you know before that he wasn't playing well, maybe he was trying to force a move didn't work out who knows um Shaparenko's now out even though he was obviously one of the most prospective kind of talents that could have made a move somewhere else and maybe tried to make a name for himself but you know we've not really heard of any offers for him in any recent transfer windows which just baffles me seriously and you know what where is this sort of where is this end where's the end to all of this really if is Luchescu just going to walk at the winter break when uh, Dinamo end up losing all of their Europa League games um, because it's perfectly possible they technically have I don't know well they've lost their, they've lost their easiest game per se Larnaca least ranked lowest ranked side at home they lost now they've got to go away there and try and beat them and then on top of that They've got Ren coming up in a double header, and Ren are pretty decent, apparently, according to some of the people in the French media, and they're like quite an exciting side. So that's gonna be not fun. And then Fenerbahce again at home, which probably is gonna be all sorts of mayhem um for non-footballing reasons, um, from that perspective. So I don't know, it, it doesn't look good. Um UPL, obviously, wow, you can beat Lviv 1-0. But what does that count for anything, really? You know, terrible performance on the whole as well. And according to my sources, they're looking for a striker. So it's um, this uh, Turkish centre-forward, who I think plays for Fenerbahce at the moment, um, Serdar Dursun. And uh, he's like, I don't know, third or fourth choice or something over there. And um, they... They want to bring him in, um, I assume, on loan. So we'll see if that ends up happening. But the possibility is like 50-50, so that's not even guaranteed. And they also want to bring someone in for Shaparenko, because obviously without him, you can play with Andrievsky. And, you know, a lot of people have had have always had high hopes for him, but he's just never really done much to live up to it. And Shepelev as well, both a bit promising. Uh, back in their early days, but had next to nothing to show for it in reality, especially against Larnaca. Andrievsky was terrible. I don't know what his passing accuracy was, but it must have been really low. It's all good news, isn't it? It's all good news. Uh, yeah, I've, I've to sort of follow up on what Andrew said there, I've seen myself a number of requests go out for strikers in the in the footballing world. And I think the net's been spread quite far. And if the focus is on a Turkish guy now, there will be there'll be others to follow up if if it doesn't go through. But hey, guys, we do have to give a shout out to Fate Dnipro. We we really do. And Dovbik in particular, Europa Conference League player of the, the match day. So well done there. And quite a comprehensive victory 
um, in Cyprus last night. Uh, so fair play to them. They, you agree? They look quite comfortable in second place in that group. I mean, the Cypriots aren't looking too great shakes, and Vados are uh, just happy to be there. Um, would it be a disappointment, a, sh a shock, even Ray, if they they don't qualify out the group and make the last twenty four in the spring? I don't actually know, Adam, which team are you talking about, actually? You know, uh, I heard of this player, uh, Rubczynski. Like, he he's, he's, uh, he was the um, graduate from Dnipro Academy, and he scored a goal yesterday, I mean, on, on Thursday, in the Euro, Euro, Europa Conference League. And Dobik was uh, awarded the player of the match day, but um, I'm not sure which club they're playing for. I mean, is it the Ukrainian club? I hope so. Because otherwise, I mean, they could have as well been playing for Vaduz. I mean, I also heard about this Brazilian goalkeeper who they spurred into Krasnikov's ear that, you know, he should bring this guy. But, you know, oh, wait, he wouldn't play for Metalist in UPL. He would like to play in Europa League something. So push push him somewhere there. And I and Krasnikov said, OK, I have this no-name team in the Conference League, which I would like to him to play for. And although they lost the playoffs to some other team, which which was which beaten Dynamo, right? The Ajax Larnaca, Cyprus team. I mean, that should tell you something, right? The next day you play Apollon, and uh, probably this Brazilian guy, like this uh, short Dida, he probably knew what to do. That's why he didn't concede more than three goals, right? And that's what allowed them to win. But again, this team, well, actually, if you talk about players, yeah, I agree. That's a good thing for Ukrainians, you know, just for some practice. But other things, um, I'm uncertain. Fair enough, fair enough. For me, uh, the coefficient is getting to a precarious situation at the moment. So uh, with this team, it's victory. It's moved um, quite comfortably now into 15th place. Looks like the Danish are, are trying to take 15th place off Ukraine. It's going to be a, a, a good battle, I think, this autumn, trying to pick up the points there. But but um, it, if we don't get 15th place, we lose a spot in Europe for two seasons' time. And given the financial state of the league at the moment, I think it's really important that as many teams as possible can get get the UA for money going forward. So at least something's trickling into the league to, to keep it going during this difficult period. Before we move on from Dnipro 1, I just want to add, Ray didn't want to, Ray was trying to be a bit, uh, I don't know, being a bit modest there. I thought that Dnipro 1 actually played really well against Apollon, um, played some good football, made over 500 passes for a Ukrainian side. That's like insane. That's... Um, pretty good uh three almost identical goals that you know Dovbik was tapping in for fun Rubczynski as well and Rubczynski by the way looks like some talent uh 20 year old centre midfielder already I think got two goals this season one in the Europa one against Dynamo earlier on and I don't know he he looks like this dynamic kind of um forward thinking midfielder and I I'd be quite interesting to see uh, maybe him come into the role of Shaparenko if he is if Shaparenko is out for a prolonged period of time. 
Um, I need to check whether he's made it into the to the under twenty ones, but he is some talent. He is some talent. Okay, you've heard it here. So in four years' time, when people are talking about him, Andrew mentioned him first. People. There we go. <laughs> okay. Right. As we said, though, the league club European football takes a break now, takes the back seat, and the national team takes over. Sabina will be finishing off their Nations League campaign or the under-21s face a playoff to make the UEFA tournament next summer. With Zinchenko, Shaparenko and Bouchon confirmed absentees. What's the shape of the squad at the moment, Andrew? Because it's looking a bit threadbare. Yeah, you could say so. So we've got uh, Zinchenko is 100% out. Um, That's been announced. That was even announced before... Arteta announced it properly. Um, UAF decided to get that exclusive, so fair play to them. Um, as far as I'm aware, Yevhen Volonets, our good friend from the pod, is now in the Ukraine squad. So, um, penalty he might... shootout. <laughs> Not that there will be one, but yeah, <laughs> he can hold out for um, if 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 Ukraine conceded. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be a slightly um, unique looking goalkeeper scenario there well we've got Riznik Lunin Trubin has been promoted from the under 21s I'm not sure why especially when they've got that key game which we're going to be talking about in a minute um I think as far as I'm aware uh Ignatenko has been promoted from the reserve list he wasn't initially in there he's in there now so I think he's coming in basically as more backup for Shaparenko going missing and Edward Sobol is in too, um, you know, just to have more variety at fullback. But then for me, I think the most exciting sort of things were that uh, Yehor Nazarena, uh, Edward Sarapi and Oleksi Hutsuriak sadly only made it onto the reserve list, but they're sort of in contention in and around there being looked at by um, Petrakov after, you know, the first few games of the season where they seem to have impressed him. Uh, so two Dnipro one players in there, and obviously one from Zoria. But I mean, on the whole, we're probably going to see as a result of Shaparanko going out um, and Zinchukov being missing in the midfield. It's probably going to be something like Malinovsky, Pichalionok, and Stepanenko. I mean, on paper, that sounds pretty good still. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Ray, you're nodding along there. I take it you agree with him. I have faith in uh, the Grand National Team. I have faith in the coach. And the thing with uh, these uh, squad is that um, they announced that uh, some experts in Ukraine announced that it's an, it's uh, inappropriate, that it should be done the other way, that the main focus and emphasis should be put on the youth team, under 21. We are going to touch on that. But um, as Andrew said, it's a good lineup. And so we should we should be we should be fine with it unless we we decide to end in a draw as always. Uh, it's been a long time, and we need to see at least one game to get back into this national team uh, extravaganza. So there is plenty to see there, and suddenly we are about to discuss the under twenty one lineup as well, which is even more promising in terms of the names. Yeah, just before we um, move on to the under-21s, I think it's important to note that obviously Ukraine in the Nations League, uh, they're currently top. Uh, they obviously got two uh, wins and one draw. 
and they're playing Scotland twice, home and away, and then Armenia in between. So, you know, there is every chance that they'll still win the group. And if they win it, they'll go into the Euro playoffs if they don't come first or second in their group for the Euros um, during next year's qualifying campaign. On top of that, they'll obviously get promoted to League A and maybe try and get revenge for uh, the old Switzerland debacle a few years ago. But uh, as we're about to touch on, I don't know whether it is the highest of priorities. It's caused this massive debate in Ukrainian football media about whether um, players that are qualifiable for the under-21s and the fact that they've been promoted to the senior team and essentially are fully-fledged senior players, um, whether some of those ones should be going knocked down to the under-21s and helping them qualify for next year's uh, under-21s Euros. So when we talk about these under-21 or players that are eligible for the under-21s, we're talking, like you said earlier, about Truvin, Mudrik, who, who else for people who are maybe less aware? Zabarni, of course, uh, would probably be the big one. I think that it, it's those three that are the key that would be the ones that uh, would certainly help the side straight away. But then obviously... It, in the current state of things with how the national team looks with injuries and probably a lack of creativity and pace in the side, they would kind of be losses for the seniors. So I guess it's uh, having to weigh up that. And then if you actually look at the squad that Ruslan Rotan has uh, selected, there are quite a lot of accomplished players in there already. I mean, the goalkeeper situation I am quite sceptical of. I'm not going to lie. The fact that Thrubin has been upgraded, I don't think was necessary, in my opinion. Riznik, Volonets and Lunin. Okay, maybe Lunin's not had the most game time experience, but Volonets and Riznik probably have enough in them to be the national team keeper for these three matches. Whereas, you know, you look at the under-21 keepers now, it's like Dmitro Matsapura, who's, who's howler central, for the national team, uh, for Zoria, like week in, week out. Kirill Fasun, who plays for Kolos. Um, and then I think they've just brought in a Dnipro 1 goalkeeper, who obviously isn't Max Wallef, so he doesn't play regularly either. Um, elsewhere, yeah. Across the back line, I mean, Alexander Sirot has been called up to the under-21s. And he's, you know, fully-fledged Dynamo Kiev centre-back, Maxim Talovyarov, who's been playing in the Czech Republic for ages. Oleksii Sitch, who's literally in the past week moved to Kortrijk for, uh, on loan and apparently has an obligation uh, $3 million um, fee that Kortrijk are going to pay for. But apparently Kortrijk's uh, record transfer fee up until this point has only been €650,000. So Someone's not telling the truth somewhere, so we'll see where where that comes to a head. Um, but yeah, they've got they've got great talent there, like Alexander Drambayev playing really well for Zawarak Wagerim in in the Belgian league. Um, Kostantin Vivcherenko has been playing really well for Dynamo Kiev in the sort of small pockets that he's been getting. Bondarenko, of course, has been starting in the Champions League. Uh, Sudakov is obviously going to you know be a top talent in there as well, as well as Ocheretko. So. 
on the whole, that team actually looks really good, in my opinion. In my opinion, on paper, they've got some top players. Kuharevic, who's just joined for who just joined Hibernian. Um, Daniel Sakan's been taken down there. Like, you know, it's actually pretty much an all-star under 21 side. Yeah, add Mudrik in there and um Zabarni, and that is like, wow, they could actually challenge. I mean, I'd say let this team uh, try and qualify for the playoffs and then bring Mudrik and Zabarni, etc. in next summer for the final tournament. You know, the, the thing for me is, like, my mind goes back to what uh, Dimitro July said on our show after the European Championships in at the end of the summer of 2021 when he spoke about the experience those players had playing in an international tournament and about how, you know, Ukraine, Zabina needs to push on and qualify for the World Cup. Well, that isn't going to happen. But as you just said there, that squad is star quality all the way through. And here's a chance for them to go to a youth finals tournament next summer and get that experience of playing in a, an international tournament, which is only going to take them to the next level. No one comes back from those and goes, well, that was a waste of time. You're going to, they're going to learn from it. Mudrik, Zabani and the like, they will learn from it or help with their development. But yeah, I just looked at the striker list there. I mean, all four of them, you'd want, you know, you, you look at them and you think a couple of years, they really are going to be pushing for the, the senior call-ups. All four of them, you would argue you'd want to see starting in the UPL. Two of them, two of them, if they played in the UPL, of course, but I can't see them coming back for a long time. But yeah, Bjornok, Sikan, Banat and uh, Kukarevic, if I've butchered his name, I don't care. Uh, yeah, all four of them are, are, are real great prospects for the future. You know me, I've been, t- ever since we started this, I always talk about the youth uh, and Ukraine never fails to get me excited about their young players it's, it's, it's a cool time Nations League yeah Group A it's you know like it, again to use that phrase it's the star cast and some big name friendlies uh, or big name late Nations League games but yeah, I'd sacrifice it for a summer's a summer's tournament next next year. I think it'd be great to get behind the under twenty ones. Ray, you with me on this or not? Or is it Group A for you? You mean the Nations League? Yeah. Well, yeah. Bring bring it on. I would like to touch on the under twenty one because, um, as you said, Adam, uh, there are some prospects in the squad. But let's just replace the club names in brackets. To Ruch, Metalist, Minai, Inhulet, Vorskla, Alexandria, uh, I don't know, Polisa, anything you like. Just replace them for a while. Just imagine Bunik plays in Polisa. Uh, Gukarevich plays for Ruch. Um, what do we have? Drambayev plays for Inhulet. Um, Sitch plays for Minai. And imagine they played sometime in UPL in this uh, senior um butchery of a football you know <laughs> slaughterhouse slaughterhouse that's the word i was going for there uh that would help them 
you know, they would be more concerned about what they are doing on the pitch in under-21 team. Because as we know, historically, and that's one of the points which local experts touched on, under-21 team of Ukraine, in uh, 16 years of the existence, or maybe 20, I'm not really sure, um, oh, 16 uh, European championships, she only, uh, it, it, the team, only took place in two of them. The one of them was Aliyev and Milevsky. They reached to the final when they lost to Huntelar and Romaya Kastelan. He was incredible back then. I don't know where he is now. And the second one was Konoplan Kermolenko 2011 with Pavel Yakovenko, a, a coach who is famous for his physical, um, again, slaughter, right? And that's why they failed. Um, again, the, my point was, these are the names of the clubs which make you judge them as the prospects, but we don't know the chemistry. We don't know how they behave in dressing rooms. We don't know how they... Uh, mm -hmm. connect with each other how do they get on basically in you know, all these european uh fresh of the boat students you know studs we don't know about that we don't know what's going on in their minds yeah, apparently if you take the international situation we don't know how it's working out for them do they study language like Mar marian schwedt are they getting on or do they wish they were playing for inhalet and minai like i said i mean we know all of them come back eventually Kravets came back to Warsaw from Spain. He spent a lifetime in Spain. Uh, same with uh, Mikhailichenko from Belgium and uh, some of the other guys. I wouldn't go for specifics now. But anyway, there are good names and they have real chance. But just because they all other favors working against them and the history and the, um, well, let's say the circumstances, because as I said, and, and you, as, you, as you said, Adam, be, them being the promising ones and them being the well-known guys, which we know from the headlines, right, from their goals and their experiences, they are about to make their name in Europe, if they are, or they're just <laughs> wishing to come back to UPL. And in that case, it doesn't matter if you qualify to Euros or any World Cups or whatever, right? So that's there. That That's it. And uh, final point, I don't see them qualifying. Ray is a Rusan Rotan hater. That's that's all it is. <laughs> doesn't believe in him. No, he he was an epic player, but it doesn't make him a great coach. I mean, he's not Oleg Blochin, which I already whom I already mentioned today. And that's that's actually a, probably a bad experience mentioning him twice in one episode. Sorry, listeners. Hope you'll forgive us. Right. I think that's covered about everything tonight, guys. If I'm right, apart from one final thing, it's been a real pleasure of us to collaborate with Glory on a special edition of their fantastic uh, football culture magazine. For those of you who haven't seen their previous editions, they've uh, produced seven so far over the last couple of years, where they visited and explored different footballing countries around the world and documented the love for the game in that country. And they've been working with Ray, Andrew and myself uh, on producing a special edition on Ukrainian football. Pre-orders are available on their website. So please do log in and order your copy as soon as possible. All profits from this edition will go towards the, the humanitarian support for Ukraine. It will come from their British base and will be brought across to Ukraine to help the humanitarian situation inside the country. So it's a, a great way of helping, and it's been a, a privilege of ours 
to work with them. Ray, I hope you do enjoy the playoff games. I hope they qualify and I hope you do get to enjoy a finals tournament next summer, mate. Well, it's been yeah, great chatting with you this evening, as always. Likewise, Adam. Uh, I, I wouldn't go so far as planning my next summer, but one thing for sure, I'm going to enjoy the qualifiers if they're going to be broadcasted and not being bootlegged like the one of the games of UPL you've seen in Luxembourg, right? But anyway, the thing is, no Allegedly. Matter, no matter the players or the coaches, uh, that's the national team and we're going to watch and support the games any way we can. We certainly will. We certainly will. Andrew, thank you so much for dashing back from Poland to join us tonight. Uh, I know it's been a frantic week. Have you got another frantic one ahead? Yeah, by the time everyone's listening to this, hopefully uh, we'll be on the way to Glasgow for another exciting week of international football. Been brilliant. And of course, I'll be looking forward to watching it here from our base in Luxembourg. But that's it for today, everyone. It's been a real pleasure to talk about this, have a little look back and a little look to the future over the next few weeks. And hopefully by the next time we talk to you, we'll be celebrating successes of the national team and the under-21s as well. But till then, take care, stay safe and goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh,